sorry. No. It's It's so triumphant. It is very triumphant and to be fair, I don't I every time I play the intro for us to hear uh while we're listening to it, I think what the hell am I going to say at the beginning of this episode? <laughs> Apparently that was it. Hi everybody. Hi. I'm Jenny. I'm Mike. And this is And the Nominees Were, a podcast where we were watching every movie ever nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Yes. Uh, and this is still 2017. Yep. Uh, it will be for a bit. Yeah. Wow. They yeah. have to stop nominating so many movies. <laughs> this is yeah, just, out of hand. Just think, uh, in any other year, we would be almost done. Yeah, right? Yep. Oh, my God. I know. Except, like, uh, there was a while... I, I was looking at how many movies they would nominate every year, and it started at six, went down to five immediately, <laughs> and then it gradually cr- creeped up until I believe in either like 38 or 41 or something like that, there were 12. Wow. Yeah. It gradually creeped up to 12, and then they were like, we got we to gotta cut this out, and it went back down again to five, and it stayed that way for... I don't know, 70 years or something, and then... And then the Dark Knight broke it. (laughs) Yeah. It broke broke us all. Nolan. (laughs) Yeah. It it broke us all, really. Uh, The movie discourse has not been the same since. (laughs) (laughs) It's true, though. Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, Well, anyway, uh, speaking of discourse, we talked about three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri... Yeah, we did. Which, uh, a searing indictment of the discourse. I don't know. I have no idea what that means. I mean, well, it's it's not not. Yeah. It's it's certainly a movie about discourse, but by people who don't actually, like, talk to each other. Yeah. They instead just just do bad shit to each other. Uh, well, uh, it's like It's like if the internet were actions <laughs> instead of words. That's this movie. Did we just uh, did did we just stumble upon uh, Martin McDonough's thesis statement for the movie? I don't know. We might it's have. It's possible. Uh, we certainly don't during this episode. Yeah. Okay. So well, I did a, have one, yeah. but yeah. little little bit of uh, background on this episode. Uh, I don't know what the hell happened. Uh, well, <laughs> so this was our I don't know second or third episode that I think we it recorded. Was the third. Yeah. So this was like the the third episode we recorded. We still didn't. We're we're still figuring things out. I mean, we still are. Right. But I think we recorded this like in the middle of the day on a very hot day. Yeah. And uh, also, we were having trouble like scheduling when we were would record episodes after we watched the movie, and I think this was legitimately like three weeks after we watched <laughs> three billboards. It might have been. And Yet, so there is a reason why we uh, why we talk about how we started this podcast in the summer. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's and it's February, and, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I was just not present uh, for like the full hour of uh, the first hour that we recorded this podcast and we like took a break and uh i uh i guess digested my first beer that we was drinking <laughs> while we were recording the episode uh started on my second one and i get better i'm still not great in the second half of the episode but it is like a discussion yeah at the very least and the plan, at least right now, is to just uh, not play you the first half of the episode. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, honestly, listening to it, like it's it would be weird to not talk about the plot of the first half of this movie. But as we, as, as I kind of realized, we kind of have a hard time doing that in general. That's true. I, we actually at one point describe the first half of the movie as. Uh, Mildred puts up some billboards, uh, cops come to talk to her, she goes somewhere else, cops come to talk to her, she goes somewhere, yeah. the cops come to talk well, to her. I mean, and honestly... And, like, that's not accurate, but it's not inaccurate yeah, and, either. and honestly, like, I don't know if it is a problem with movies, or if it is just a thing with these movies this year, like, Darkest Hour, the first half of that movie is, like... Uh, people are like, oh, I don't want Winston Churchill to be prime minister. And then he's like, hey, I'm prime minister. And then he's like, and then they just they just argue back and forth until I, like Dunkirk happens. I was about to say, I would argue that's the entirety of yeah. Darkest Hour. But, it, but like we start, we start picking literally up. Literally all of it. I don't know. We start talking about specific things that happen in the movie. Right. Like halfway through. Yeah. Uh, and then, and the post, the first half of that movie is like, ooh, gee, uh, are we going to get the Pentagon Papers? Hey, we got the Pentagon Papers. Oh, no, we can't publish the Pentagon Papers. And I think, and honestly... Again, yeah, I would argue that's the plot of the post. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure even in that episode, we basically just don't even acknowledge... Like, we talk about the first 20 minutes of the movie and, like, the last 40 minutes of the movie. We just don't We just don't even mention that the, the middle part happened at all. We also actually didn't even talk about, like, the courtroom scene... <laughs> Uh, or or like like the Congress scene at the end of uh, the post. Yeah, but like it because it feels tacked on. Yeah, it feels it's like it's like fi- yeah. yeah, it's five minutes at the end of the movie. That's literally it. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and three billboards. It kind of feels the same. We even actually do it. Uh, spoiler alert: This uh, for our "Call Me by Your Name" episode. <laughs> we kind of do it in "Call Me by Your Name," a movie which we both love. Yeah. The we were like, yeah, the first half of this movie, they're kind of just uh, they're in and out. They're you know they're talking to each other. It's setting a mood. Yeah. It is set. It is setting a mood. Okay. It's very. I'm. It's very important in yeah. uh, "Call Me by Your Name," but. So maybe it isn't a problem with these movies. Maybe it's a problem with the way we talk about movies. I guess movies. it's possible, yeah. I don't know. Well, okay, maybe we should just jump back because uh, we're not really going to have uh, our traditional beginning of this episode. True. Uh, this movie is Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yep. Uh, it was written and directed by Martin McDonough, mm-hmm. an Irish playwright turned filmmaker. He has made In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. Uh and this. Se- and, and this, and we have seen neither of those first two movies no. at all. Uh, everyone keeps telling us to watch In Bruges, and we're just like, yeah, all right, we get it. And I <laughs> did want to see Seven Psychopaths, but even when it came out, I remember seeing like commercials and stuff for it and being like, this looks like a movie from the 90s that I would have been really into when I was <laughs> 15. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know what it was about that movie that made me go... Uh, this just looks like another like '90s Tarantino ripoff movie. I don't want to see that. Whereas uh, when I saw the trailer for Bad Times at the El Royale, I was like, "Ah, oh, this looks like one of those '90s ripoff Tarantino <laughs> movies. I really want to see it." Uh, I blame Hemsworth. Yeah, you know He's what it is. He's got that charm. Not to get on a super tangent about Bad Times at the El Royale, but I think. In the 90s, there were so many different Tarantino ripoff, like, aping Pulp Fiction and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Bad Times at the El Royale is getting in on the ground floor of of ripping off Tarantino's later work. It feels yeah. very indebted to 
the Hateful Eight, right? And Although Inglorious Bastards. Although they would have been working on that at the same time, kind of. No, I mean, of. Hateful no, Eight came not. out like. Yeah, no, like two, two years, two full years before. But yeah, I mean, still, not necessarily. He might not have seen that movie, but it still feels like yeah. like an Inglorious Bastards type thing. Right. It doesn't feel. I mean, it, it, there's Pulp Fiction in there, obviously. I think. But, yeah. Uh, but also, I think Drew Goddard is just uh, he's he's a very talented person in general. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want. To, both... I almost said he's like, it's got that like Drew Goddard touch, but I don't know what it is yet because he <laughs> well, he's made so many different things, but they're all very different. Right. Um, my impression of Drew Goddard is that like they have a similar. Uh, I mean, he and Tarantino. I mean, just have mm-hmm. a similar way of looking at putting a movie together. Yeah, like of of cutting it up and making it a little bit twisty. Or Drew Goddard goes harder on twists, but. Like, you know, I it seems, just based on the truth, too, which, true, this is, like, a small sample size, so uh, it's a little early to make statements like this, but, like, he likes metafiction. Yeah. And I'm into that, because I, I like yeah. metafiction. So, where were we? Okay, uh, so Martin McDonough, he made In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen those movies. Right. Basically... Uh, we did not know anything about Martin McDonough going into this movie. Right. Well, we nothing knew of him. Specific. We didn't know his work, what yeah. to expect necessarily. But also, this was his most mainstream movie by far. And I think a lot of the people, maybe even a lot of people uh, voting for these awards, knew nothing of his work. That's possible. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we did not know of Martin McDonough uh, going into this movie. And, I mean, I don't think that uh, Martin McDonough is trying to make any, like, grand sweeping generalizations about all of America. But I do feel like the the plot of this movie is somewhat engineered to involve a lot of different facets of, uh, of America yeah. uh, sort of clashing all together. Right. It's, it's sort of a collection of... Hot button topics. Yeah. Yeah, if you will. And also, for all that we talk a lot about how uh, this movie is, you know, concerned with, like, racist middle America, Mm -hmm. there's, like, no, almost no actual racial conflict in this movie. Yeah, it's... It's about white people fighting each other. Yeah, that's that's an interesting thing about this movie is, like... Yeah, for, like first of all, the central like conflict that this movie is based uh, around is not one about race. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's between a bunch of white people. Yep. Uh, but one of those white people is a it's, super racist. Yes. And and it's just like other people being upset at how much of a racist he is. Right. And like, there's three black characters in this movie, and they don't get to do anything. Yep. Yep. And so it's it's really weird. Yeah, it's, it is weird. It's a yeah. it's a weird weird set of decisions. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a thing that I say a couple of times in this is that it's a, one of many issues that this movie half engages with is I think the way that I put it. Yeah. Um it just sort of brings these things up and is like, "Oh, you know, here's this interesting idea and then that's it." It yeah. just says, here's this interesting idea, and then, like, there's no development of it. And, yeah. like, that's the that's the specific way in which that particular part of it is 
is problematic in this movie is mm-hmm. that they're like, yeah, boy, this one guy, he sure is racist and that's bad. Uh, except, yeah, then, okay. Like, yeah. and, and what? Like, does he, he doesn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not actually relevant to the plot. Um, yep. the, the black characters don't get any, like, anything to do. Mm-hmm. So, Okay. That that's the thing. Like it's this is one of those movies where it's like somebody's somebody's like yelling a point at you, and all you have to say is, uh, uh, "Okay." Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, really, that's a good description of uh, of our dynamic in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It, it is true. <laughs> oh well. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about this movie? Um, that you don't think we covered in the episode? You know, when I was listening back to it, I did feel like there was something specific, like a specific plot thread that, mm-hmm. that I had lost in all of my other complaints, but I don't remember what it was. Um, yeah, no. So I guess I yeah, got nothing. I don't remember any plot specifics about this movie, even after listening to our discussion of it like three times. Yeah. I do say, because I thought that we had covered this in the episode, and then I we kind of didn't, is uh, I still, I I can't tell you whether or not I liked this movie. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot when we first watched it, and... I don't. I don't want to say I've. St- I've found like things to dislike about it, but my enjoyment of it has dissipated with like every memory of it. It's a very like. It's a very visceral movie. Like when you're watching it, you you get wrapped up in it. I right. think. Uh, but those feelings don't last. Yeah, I think that I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Yeah. But um, but then, but then I had nothing. I had nothing but complaints. Yeah. And I do often. This is the thing I was going to say. I do often engage with movies, even movies that I like. I come out and I'm like, so here are all my problems with it. And yeah. I, I, and and and, uh, and then I'm just like, that movie was great. What are you talking about? Shut up. You're wrong. Except for the times that we've done that in reverse. Yeah. Like when we came out of Ghostbusters and you were like, so here's all my problems with Ghostbusters. And I was like, shut up. They were ladies and they did science and fuck ghosts <laughs> and they were friends. Yeah. Hey, uh, I don't want to shit on Ghostbusters. It's not. It's not why I'm here okay. on this earth. What was I actually going to say? Oh yeah. So, but I often engage with movies, even ones that I like, by coming out of the movie or finishing watching the movie and being like, "Oh, that was pretty good." Here are all my problems with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of the time I just like to talk out my problems with a movie. Yeah, that's and, understandable. Yeah. I, I I do the same thing, but I guess to a less hyperbolic degree. Okay. You know? Um, it's, I think, you know, we're both chasing that feeling of going to a movie and just afterwards uh, you have nothing uh, but nice things to say about it. And yeah. that happens sometimes. sometimes. But it's it's rare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even movie and like and I you also can love movies and still have problems. Oh with yeah, them. of course. Like we were just talking about uh, bad times and we mm-hmm. we both kind of loved that movie. Yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't say that that's a perfect movie and it has no problems. No. Like, uh, I mean, all my favorite movies have tons of problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I guess that's I guess that's what I'm saying is yeah. like yeah. 
Uh, I don't want to... I don't want to give the impression that this is a bad movie. Yeah. No. Like, I I don't think it's... I'm not sure I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that it is an entertaining movie that people probably would have wildly differing uh, yeah. reactions to. Would you say it's worth a discussion? Yes. Would you say it's worth listening to two people discuss the movie? For, let's say, about 50 minutes. Well, that sounds like a great idea, in fact. Yeah. Well, hey, wouldn't you know it, I have just the people and just the discussion right now. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. We are here, we are there, we are hearing people everywhere we go. little bit like a law and order if it was like a law and order on uh usa now where everybody says shit (laughs) you know yeah but like i was thinking about this and you know uh it's about a real brutal case and stuff like that but like Mm -hmm. so is every episode of svu yeah um and so it's really more just the general weird attitude of the movie that makes it more serious than than just watching law and order well there's also basically no investigating at all well yes that that as well that's true it would be a very poor job which i by by both law and order who don't even get to show up (laughs) or well i guess it's the other way around or law and yeah why are they backwards like isn't law the lawyers and order is the cops but law and order is a is a saying I know. It should be order and law, though. But... No. I... It would just be confusing. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know, not to come at this all haphazard, but... It's all right. We already have. (laughs) But I remember one of the things that I said after we watched this movie was I would have been, you know, more willing to watch it if somebody had just told me it was a Coen Brothers movie. Which, yeah, I... It's not... It's, it's not, not, but it's it's got enough in common that, like, I I don't know, it would have been, like, all my impressions of what Three Billboards were, no, I, I know, that was, I was like, that was bad, te- bad tense matching, bad uh, number matching, all bad English all around today, but... Um, yeah, so my impressions of the movie were that it was an issue movie that did that poorly. Well, it the thing is, it is an issue movie, but I think the the problem with labeling it as that is, I think people have a sort of expectation about the like moralizing tone of those types of movies and mm-hmm. i feel like this is much more satirical and it, it, it doesn't want like i i think this movie there definitely are the good guys and the bad guys it's definitely francis mcdormand is a fairly good person versus these these uh bozo racist nitwits <laughs> but it but it also doesn't like it's it doesn't condemn or lift up either side as much as you might expect a movie like this to do. I think that's true, but I also um, 
hesitate to say that the movie is even saying that everybody else is a bunch of bozo racist nitwits. You know, like, I feel like certainly for large portions of the movie, they are. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's one of the weird things, weird or good, I don't know, Mm -hmm. things about uh, Three Billboards is that it doesn't, like, it does that. They're like, these are the dumb things that these people do. And this is why they're not so bad after all. And Mm -hmm. that gets weird. That gets weird. Yeah. I do think um, I had actually made a list when, because, you know, we had taken so long to sit and record this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I had started making a list at one point of uh, themes that this movie in half engages with and then kind of discards. <laughs> and it's just all of them. It's like basically every theme that's in this movie, it like kind of brings it up and they're like, this is important. And then they're like, okay, here's something else. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, here's... Here's some stuff about how people process grief, and here's some stuff about guilt, and here's some stuff about mob mentality, and here's some stuff about racism, and here's some stuff about how, you know, maybe racists aren't all bad. And, like, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to take. So I can understand why it um, uh, is divisive, I guess, but also I do... This is actually one of the things that I do think is good is like the same thing that you were saying is that it's interesting that it doesn't, you know, condemn people. And that's like, um, when I mentioned the Coens, uh, it was because those are movies, at least the ones I've seen that are about people who aren't necessarily bad people who do bad shit. And get mixed up in bad shit, mm-hmm. you know, like raising Arizona. Yeah, like uh, that is a nice lady who just steals a baby. You know, she's yeah. like, they have enough babies. We can have this baby. They mm-hmm. won't miss it. Um, and yeah, so like if you go into it with that expectation, it's like, well, this is just a movie about some people, and they do some shitty things, and they do some good things, but they do a lot of shitty things. Yeah, yeah. But that was not the impression I was given about what the movie was going to be. Yeah, they definitely sold it as, like, this woman fighting for... uh, For justice! Yeah, Yeah. which she definitely does the whole time. True. The movie is about that, but it doesn't really convey the tone of the movie. I also would argue um, a little bit that she is doing the thing, which is my favorite thing to do. Which, you know, she is fighting fighting for justice, but really, she's fighting for vengeance. (laughs) And I love vengeance. You know how I feel about vengeance. Yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, do we want to talk about, like, the the way things happen? Sure, let's let's get into it. Yeah, so, the very beginning of the movie, she's driving past... Yeah, she's driving down this road, she sees all these these, uh, billboards that haven't been used in years, and then... uh, I think then she goes right in and the next morning. And she goes right into, yeah, to, and says, to Red. Yeah. I love that his name is Red. Yeah, because he's got red hair. That's how ginger. people in towns get nicknames. Yep. The one redhead guy, his name's Red. Yep. Yeah, this plot starts moving right away. Yeah. Um, Which is fair. You know, where where's the where's the film in putting up an obstacle to the billboards going up in the first place? Well, it's true. I do feel like the like the first half of this movie or so, it does feel sort of like like not like things keep happening, but they don't feel like very much like 
put the billboards up, and then the cops come to see her, and then right. she's just angry somewhere else, and then the cops come to see her again, and then she's angry yep. and in a different place, and then yep. the cops come to see her again, and yep. then she gets arrested. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then some other people are angry. There mm. are other people angry, too. Not just the cops are mad at her. Yeah, Like, the town is mad at her. So everybody takes it personally. Mm. That's, I think, a thing this movie is about, is about everybody taking everything personally. <laughs> That's one theme that I do think it gets across pretty well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so everybody's pissed off, but Dixon in particular, and that's Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. That's actually, that's my problem. But that's a plot thing too, because I do feel like everything in the first half of the movie leads you to believe that uh, Dixon is just not that bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he makes some like very canny decisions and stuff. And I was like, Eh, really? This guy? That guy thought of that? That guy made a plan? Yeah, he definitely, he like decides to become a better person like halfway through the movie and then is is able to put that into motion like yeah, within a day. Like yeah. I decided to be a better person like a year ago. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> Closest yep. I've gotten is recording three episodes of a podcast. <laughs> hey, two and a half episodes. <laughs> Thanks. Don't get ahead of yeah. yourself. <laughs> you haven't solved a murder yet. <laughs> so, well, that's a, although neither has Dixon. Yeah. And also, apparently, he all he really needed uh, to to be better is for Woody Har- Harrelson to tell him, you know, you could be better. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's like, it's funny because that scene, which is like probably directly halfway through the movie, right? I Something like that. I feel like the, the exact halfway point might be when he uh, when he throws Red out the window. Oh, yeah, that might be. Wilby in this movie is weird. I feel like it is sort of like against expectations that uh, the chief isn't isn't terrible. He's right. like Wilby seems He's like, like a, a, nice de- a decent enough yeah. guy. Yeah. Who who as nice as is as trying to do his job. Is. I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so... But yep. he has, like, nothing to go on. He yeah. doesn't have any leads, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he's yeah. also, like, not particularly good either. He's no. just sort of, like... Like, he, he seems nice just by virtue of being a normal person. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> While yeah. standing next to Sam Rockwell. Right. He just seems... Which I good. feel like this is as good a time as any to bring up the one of the things that just bothered me the whole time, which is like Willoughby's wife, mm-hmm. his wife Anne. Yeah, is, is British. British, yeah, maybe, and much younger than him. Yeah, like one of these things, I would be like, okay, you know what, whatever movies, and but both of them together, I spent the whole time going, how did she get here? <laughs> What is she doing in this town? Yeah. Where is she going? And after the fact this? that just like nobody comments, comments on, on it. it at all. Yeah, yeah. That made it more distracting yeah. to me. Well, also the fact that I'm pretty sure she'd been in like two scenes before she even had a line, and then she started speaking, and I'm like, is she British? Yeah. Does she just sound weird. I, like I couldn't <laughs> right. figure it Can out. Can she just not do a Southern accent? Yeah. And nope, nope. She is British or. Yeah. Or Australian? I think she's British. I'm not sure, though. So, Anne, though, is one of the things that uh, 
that I feel like the, yeah, the movie like picks up and, and drops. Well, because like halfway through, no, I keep saying things happen halfway because. It just feel like everything if, happens halfway through the movie. Yeah. It's just the way the movie is structured. Mm-hmm. It does feel like everything happens halfway through. But, um, but yeah, when, oh, well, after, uh, pe- people in the town are, are putting the pressure on Mildred and, mm-hmm. um. And there's complaint, and you know there are complaints filed, but it was only two complaints, and one of them is from the fat dentist. And then she goes to the fat dentist, and he tries to perform surgery on her without giving her Novocaine. Yep, and then she yep. drills a hole in and his she, thumb. Yep, she drills a hole in his thumb. Yep, and it's it's kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of great, and that's why um that's why the cops finally pick her up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she goes in for questioning with Willoughby. And, um, and he suddenly coughs up blood on her face. Yeah. And that scene is actually really good because, Mm -hmm. because he just looks so like scared and sad and sorry. Mm -hmm. And she goes full mom. Yeah. She goes full mom on him. And it's, it's like so nice (laughs) because they're like sparring partners up until that point. They're like the only ones that both take each other seriously and are at odds. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like everybody else is kind of dismissive of each other. And up to that point in the movie, they're the only people that are, they're like, well, here are our problems and we're against each other. But, but they still see each other as people. Yeah. I do feel, I, I guess it's maybe because they're the ones like instigating these, these fights, uh, uh this, but they want they each want something from the other person, but they also know why that person isn't doing it. Right. Yeah, that's true. It's a lot, uh, like uh, Mildred is like, well, I want them to find whoever killed my daughter, but like, I know they're trying, but like, they should try harder. Right. <laughs> yep. And he's like, well, I wish uh, she would take down those billboards, but like, we didn't find out who killed her daughter, so like, <laughs> yep. I like. Which. And it's funny because that even becomes more clear after, well, then, you know, after that is the whole bit where um, he and his wife and his daughters go out and they have a picnic yeah. and, and it's uh, real nice. And then he goes out to the farm and shoots himself in the head. Yeah. Um, well, and and they, they go out and fuck in the woods. Yes, they while, fuck in the woods. To, and they just yep. leave their daughters on a picnic blanket by a river. That's true. In a town where um, a young girl has been murdered. Yep. Yep. Uh, so there's that for you. Mm-hmm. They're bad parents. Yeah, and then um, they uh, they fuck again on the couch. They might afterwards. Yeah, I'm not sure. They have that one real weird scene. Um, yeah, they, they, say, drunk, they say they say cock a lot. They do say cock a lot. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because Harrelson. they really wanted you to know that this young woman found Woody Harrelson sexually attractive. Yeah, and I never want to hear Woody Harrelson ever say anything like "my cock in you" or whatever he says. <laughs> I. I think that's in the letter, yeah, because he writes her a whole letter explaining that um, that he's like, "Look, I am dying, <laughs> and <laughs> I know you know that, but let's skip it. <laughs> let's skip all that." And then he also writes the letter to Mildred that is like, "You know, everybody's gonna think that I killed myself because you put up these billboards, and I didn't. You know, I." I have cancer. Mm. But also, but I'm going to let him think that. Yeah, also, I think it's funny. Yeah, right. Also, I think it's funny. And so I paid for your billboards for another month. So yeah. good luck with that. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that I, I kind of like that. It's like, on the one hand, it's like, why? But on the other hand, it's like, 
you know what? All right. That mm-hmm. seems it, it it fits in with their relationship yeah. uh, through that that point in the movie. So that's fine. Um, and then, but it's when Willoughby dies that uh, Dixon uh, uh, goes crazy and goes across because Dixon, of course, you know, has no capacity for subtlety. Yeah. Uh, and so or rational thought or rational thought. Can't think of any reason why Willoughby would have shot himself in the head other than this has got to be because of these billboards. It's mm-hmm. got to be. So he goes across the street and punches the secretary in the face yeah. and uh, throws Red out the window. Yeah. Yeah. This all it was very it was very intense watching this scene. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's, like, it's like all one shot as he's yeah. like walking like across following. the street yep. and you see him just like punch the window. Yeah, or the no, door. he takes out his nightstick. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah. And... And smashes the the window on the fir- first floor. Yeah, and 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 you just you just go up the steps, you know, and just the whole time you're like, this is yeah, good. this is bad. This is, this is very <laughs> yeah. not good. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, he throws Red out the window. Yeah, and then punches the secretary in the face, and walks yep. downstairs and keeps beating the shit yeah, out of Red in the street. Yeah, yep. and of course that's when uh, the new. The new chief is mm-hmm. just standing outside of of the police station, just watching this happen. Which, first of all, why? <laughs> like on the one hand, it's just it seems like, you know, because you don't know who he is yet. Mm-hmm. It seems like oh, this black guy is watching this racist cop beat up a guy in the middle of the street, mm-hmm. and uh, and you're like, and he but he doesn't want to get involved because he knows how racist this cop is. But then no, he is his new boss. He's another cop. Like presumably he has a gun or something or some authority. Maybe, I, well, I mean, but he might not. And also, remember he is uh, a black guy in civilian dress. That's true. He's wearing uh, like a just suit. Just watching. Yeah. Uh, who I, I think he probably knows at that point that that's the super racist guy that beat the shit out of people. Right. And is watching him beat the shit out of somebody. He could get a bullet in the head. That's true. Just for even. Yeah. For you're ahead. right. You're right. I, it certainly is not a good idea to um, to confront in that situation, yeah. but um, but it was it was like the fact that you immediately learn that he is also a cop, and I was like, it's cool. So like, why didn't why didn't you do something then? There were there were opportunities to intervene mm-hmm. here. I don't know, whatever. But also, like he. What's interesting is like he he does seem like this this noble stand up person who's you know like clean up this this force or something, uh, but also he just sees uh, just watches Dixon throw a man out a window and then beat him up and then just says you're fired yeah Not, right you're fired and, and you're, you're under, under arrest. arrest yeah for the assault I yeah. watched you commit yeah so that happened um, and is it then or. Yeah, I guess it must be just after then is when uh, somebody sets the billboards on fire. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they go there and Mildred's trying to put it out with a fire extinguisher. And she's, like, climbing on top of the billboards and trying to shoot down. And her son, like, thinks she's gone, like, completely insane. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and so there's all that. And she, of course, uh, thinks that Dixon did this. Mm -hmm. So, so she rolls up on the police station and starts throwing Molotov cocktails into it. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, she called the station first, mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to make sure there was nobody there. Yeah. And um, he just didn't pick he, up the phone. And he didn't pick up. 
because he has his headphones in. Mm-hmm. That's the second time in the in the movie too, because they had already done that when Willoughby died. He walks into work and he's got his headphones in. And he has no idea what's going on and everybody's crying and stuff and he doesn't notice anything around him. Yeah. And then they do it again. He's sitting in the office reading the letter that Willoughby gave him, which I think is very interesting, which I want to put a pin in that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so he's just sitting there reading the letter. And so he doesn't hear the phone ring. And then he doesn't notice the fucking office is just on fire. <laughs> <laughs> just everything is on fire. Yeah. And he is not smart. Yeah. He doesn't feel heat, apparently, mm-hmm. and doesn't, and it just plays his music much too loud. Mm-hmm. These are the things that we learn. Yeah. And then he saves the file yes. on, uh, on Angela. Yeah. One of the things I was thinking, uh, which I don't believe that I actually said, uh, one of the things I want to say about Anne was that there's a scene where, you know, after. There's a scene where, um, you know, when Mildred gets her letter from Willoughby. So when Mildred gets her letter from Willoughby, Anne delivers it to her at work when she's at work in the little gift shop thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she's like, yep, this is a thing my husband wanted me to do. Now, me and my daughters are going to go somewhere because I don't know what you're supposed to do the day your husband shoots himself in the head. And I was like... Yeah. Yeah, okay. And I feel like they were trying to go for a thing where they like might connect as, you know, women with grief, but no, nope, mm-hmm. that's it. Uh they disappear uh for the rest of the movie. There's nothing about Willoughby or his family other than the you know, the you know, you hear from him again when when uh Dixon is reading his letter because, you know, Woody Harrelson does all of them in a voiceover. Mm-hmm. But yeah, other than that, nope, never comes up again. It's just an idea that is floated and then is gone. And that's how I feel about about three billboards, basically. Yeah, there's just, there's just always so much happening in this movie. There's a lot of plot, but there's also just a lot of like atmosphere and mm-hmm. a lot of things that just sort of happen because uh, he thought that scene would be interesting, mm-hmm. but don't really want to explore like the the consequences of that, which is fine. Right. Uh, you don't always want to explore. The, like I'm so happy there was a scene where uh, where Mildred literally kicks teenagers in the legs. That was amazing, actually. Uh, yeah, I've often wanted to kick literally teenagers in the legs. Physically so. assaults other people's kids and yep. just drives away, uh, and. I'm for, By all I'm, rights, there there should be follow up on that, but I'm but glad no, there never isn't. Comes up. I'm glad yeah. it happens, and I'm glad that they just yeah. let it go. That's the yeah, that's the thing. It's like very satisfying to you in the moment mm-hmm. because like, and I imagine that that was the logic too in even including it. Is like, hasn't every mom wanted to do this to some bull- bullshit kids that are uh, ruining their child's life? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, yeah, of course they're. They don't. There's laws. <laughs> like, there are laws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, unfortunately. <laughs> nope. Cut that. Um, yep. Um, so, yeah. So, there's that scene that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, there's that other scene that doesn't go anywhere. There's um, the fact that when, uh, when they're putting up the billboards at the beginning... Uh, the one black guy who lives in town is one of the guys putting up the billboards. And so mm-hmm. we recognize Dixon so he can tell us that he's the racist cop. 
Um, and then later on, after the billboards catch fire, he's like, yeah, they have backups of these things at the billboard place because in case they get damaged. <laughs> I know, because I put them up. And then... And then there's, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they're going and they're putting the billboards back up together. And uh, her boss at the gift shop shows up, who's the only other black person who lives in town. Mm-hmm. And and, and so of course, and then they go to, to get, they go to get drinks, drinks together, yeah, yeah, because they've never met before. Maybe, yeah, maybe uh, or maybe maybe, maybe they, they all they only they thought they were the only black person <laughs> yep. in town. Yep. Or maybe it's just now they know they're. On the same side? I don't know. Maybe they haven't met. It's very unclear how large maybe, this town is. Maybe they go get a drink every Friday. We don't know. We don't. You know, that's true. We don't know. We have no idea. Uh, the Them being at the billboard re-upping uh, together is shot like it's the first time that they've met. Yeah. But it's, it's also true. very inconsequential. So, mm-hmm. And we have to talk about the other part of that, which is Dinklage. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking we have not talked about Peter Dinklage no, at all he's, in this movie. because he's in the movie for like 10 minutes. Yeah. He's barely in the movie. But, but he's so good. Of course. He's, he's just, amazing in yeah. it. He's just got that, that face mm-hmm. or where he just, he's just, he's very good at looking mopey specifically. He's very yeah. good at moping around. That's true. Mm-hmm. And he's like with his like pompadour and his little mustache, he looks like like Nick Cave. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like that was all I could think the whole mm-hmm. time. I was like, yep, this works. All right, I'm down. But yeah, and so like it's like a he's in the one scene in the bar where where they're playing pool together mm-hmm. and he he likes her and yeah. she and she comes home and all the, oh we didn't even talk about that weird scene that's right um but when she comes home from the bar and walks into her house and says to her son i think the midget wants to get in my pants and the, <laughs> and then the the priest is sitting there just like father yeah <laughs> yeah that whole scene uh that scene is weird it's it's weird it definitely feels like uh Feels like a famous Irish person, Martin McDonough, might have some sort of history with the Catholic Church. What? That he really wanted to address in some way. I've never heard of such a thing. (laughs) Uh, So he decided to put a scene about it in uh, predominantly not Catholic Missouri. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like, that's, that's a thing that was pointed out to me in, like, some review, which... Is very is the like, and I thought this while the scene was going on. Like, how many of the people in this town could possibly be Catholic? They they don't have a lot of Catholics in the middle of the country in, in rural parts of the country. I you know what's they funny? They tend to be that... like immigrants from like the 20th century mm. that stayed around like cities or suburbs. I genuinely don't pick up on things like that mm. because I grew up in the Catholicest neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think so, Martin McDonough just didn't even think about it. He's just like, oh, yeah, right. yeah, of course, like they, the, yeah, of course they, they believe in, in God out there. Of course, they they would have priests. Uh, right. Yeah. But, yeah, no, not necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. But, yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then she compares the Catholic Church to, to gang warfare. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing. Like, gang mentality is another thing in this movie that is kind of just tossed out there a couple times and then disappears. Yeah, I feel like everybody's always talking about, like, how the the town's reacting, but, like, you don't actually see it that much. Yeah. And when you do, like, even um, how 
you know, the billboards are burned up. And she, of course, assumes it's Dixon or somebody at the police department. And, you know, it turns out it was her dumbass ex-husband. Yeah. Yeah. Her abusive ex-husband. Yeah. Yeah. Who, um, who her son uh, pulls a knife on, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And that kid, all the points for that kid. That kid was my favorite character <laughs> in the movie. And I loved him. Protect him. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so, yeah, he just got drunk and set the billboards on fire. Mm-hmm. Literally, that's the explanation. Yeah. Like, like, all right, cool. Where, where are the actual consequences that you're talking Well, I guess there was the fat dentist, you know, who tried to mutilate her mouth. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's weird. That was weird. That's, you know, you, yeah. you're, you're a dentist, like, yeah. uh, you know, First. professional ethics and stuff. Right. First, do no teeth harm. Yeah. 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 So, yes, but he's there too. Um, so he's in a couple of scenes because he's in the scene in the bar where they meet. Oh, Dinklage. I realized I had <laughs> no contact. Not the dentist. The yeah. dentist is not in the bar. Um, then he's at when they put up the billboards? Or is it? No. Or is it first She's he's there after uh, yeah. she sets the police station on Yeah, fire. I think that's the next time you see him. He's just like walking down the street. Right. Just like walking out of some place. Yeah. Probably. And yeah, this, after uh, Dixon grabs the file and jumps out the window. Yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, well, that's the thing we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the letter. Mm-hmm. That that why he has no idea what's happening is because he's reading this letter to himself and yeah. we're hearing it in voiceover. But yeah, the gist of it is that um, well, the I feel like the part of it is supposed to be the film's thesis statement in as much as it has one mm-hmm. is when he says um, you, that you're filled with a lot of hate. Um, but that's not going to accomplish anything. You have to try love mm-hmm. or something like that, you know? And I feel like that's what the... If if the film is trying to say something, mm-hmm. it's that. But it's not really. Because that is only good for getting Dixon to make decisions better. I don't know. and But then... It doesn't actually mean anything because they still go off on a, a vengeance road trip. Yeah. 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 So, which not skip right to the end, but like, how right. how effective? How effective is this advice if that was still <laughs> where you went with it? But anyway, so having said that, um, so yeah, Dinklage shows up as the the police station's on fire, and like Mildred has come out of the place across the street. She didn't know anybody's in there. She just sees him on fire, and she's like. And oops. Mm-hmm. And, and Dinklage is there to put out the fire on all of Sam Rockwell's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he gets the, the full Harvey Two-Face burn. <laughs> um, and then winds up in the hospital with Red. Yeah. That scene is good. Mm-hmm. But that's another thing that was like, what is... Like, you know, where... And it come, coming right after it, it's like, ah, this is what the movie's trying to say. It's about forgiveness and... and not hating people, right? No, it just goes away. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, that scene is interesting because it wasn't like that. I don't think it was the point of the scene. I don't know if there's a point to the scene. But yeah, he like, <laughs> uh, he comes over, Red comes over to Dixon, who's like covered completely head to toe in bandages. Right. And like, uh, sticks up like the little straw so he can like drink the thing. Drink his he's juice. Like, he's like, hey, buddy, you should drink your stuff. And then, and then Dixon's like, 
Sorry, I threw you out a window. <laughs> and, and, like, and Rand just sort of like backs away. Yep. And he looks like so horrified, but mm-hmm. then he like comes he comes back. Oh no, well, no, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's he comes he back to give the him the shrimp. juice. Oh, yeah. Because initially he's just like, hey buddy, oh that looks like it hurts. I'm sorry, do you want some juice? And then uh and Dixon's like, I'm sorry, I threw you out a window. <laughs> And and he realizes and like he and he like walks away and I feel like Dixon like thinks in that second that he's going to get his pillow to smother him. Yeah. Yeah. Like but instead he brings over Dickens the little like, juice cup. That's what I would have done. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. Yep. So we can all learn. We can all change and grow. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Like that right? That's what it seems like the point is, except it's really just in the middle of the movie and that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, th- do you think just what needed to happen is uh, that he needed to get burns over 80% of his body? Or so he was just like, oh, pain hurts. <laughs> yes. Yep. He's like, I understand how pain feels now. I don't want other people to have that. <laughs> yep. But it still doesn't explain how he suddenly knows how to do detective work. Yeah. Yeah. Because is that then the next? No. Yeah. Is there well, anything I... else in between? I don't know, but well, I think like as soon as he gets out of the hospital, he goes to get really drunk at the bar, right? And there, these the the two assholes, yeah, there. the crap top man, yeah. Oh, who? Yeah, which I remember you didn't recognize him, but uh, I had to look up because then it was Brendan Sexton the third from Empire Records. <laughs> Pardon me, uh, who played Warren the shoplifter? Mm-hmm. So still doing crime, yeah. Still doing crime to this day. But yeah, but he had uh, been in the movie earlier. He'd shown up at the gift shop and started trashing mm-hmm. shit and just being threatening yeah. and had implied that it was because he was friends with Willoughby and we don't take to this shit in this town. Urgh! He's the only angry townsperson that you see besides the fat dentist. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out he's not from there. He's from Idaho. I'm like, how, like, how, yeah, yeah, I'm like, how does he even know what's happening? Here? Yeah, and... So he's bragging about, like, raping another girl yeah. in, like, the exact same circumstances. Yeah, right. That Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, and Dixon he, like, knows people in that. town. Right. What, just because he's from Idaho? Because he's from Idaho. Like, I guess the implication is that it's near a thoroughfare because she also works right next to a train station. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a gift shop. So people pass through. Mm-hmm. But I also thought it was heavily implied for a bit and then just dropped that uh, the army was covering for him. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that is. That's that's I think what that's the only other scene with uh, with the new chief in mm-hmm. it is when. Um, yeah. Right. Dixon provokes this guy into into a fight so that he can get his DNA under his fingernails. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. Way too smart for this character. <laughs> like, I, I was genuinely impressed mm-hmm. by that plan. And, uh, and I well, was like, like... they keep talking about DNA around him. That They keep... I feel like that's... Uh, oh, I didn't remember that. I feel that. like they keep t- saying, like, that's what up. we need. We need some DNA evidence in mm. this case. And he's like, DNA, right, gotcha. Let's go scratch somebody. And then it turned out he just had evidence bags in his uh, bathroom. Like, his... Uh, What's it called? Mm-hmm. Medicine cabinet. Yeah. In his medicine cabinet. He just had evidence bags in his medicine cabinet, even though he was not a cop anymore. 
Well, he, you know. But why did he bring them home in the first place? Hey, everybody likes to steal office supplies. (laughs) What was he keep? What was he planning to keep there? Q-tips. Why not? Why not? Yeah. So do you? Do you think then that this guy actually did it and then the army is No, because, I mean, I guess maybe, I guess maybe you're supposed to think that he might have. Mm -hmm. But what I took away from it was that he had killed a girl overseas that way. Mm. Like, uh, presumably, wherever he was stationed, like a local, Mm -hmm. he had killed some girl who he didn't think was a human being. Um. Because that's the that's the kind of guy that this guy is, yeah. and um, and it, I thought the implication was the army was covering for that, but he I couldn't see. have done this because he was there mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. But then, how is he from Idaho? It just I. I mean, soldiers are from places. Yeah, but no, but like oh. he was talking about the town yeah uh, none of that makes any sense yeah. none of that holds together and are we sure it's the same guy it is it's definitely okay. the same guy yeah i'm 90 percent sure it's the same guy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's yeah that's the kind of movie this is so mm-hmm. yeah so right so then because of that yeah, so they, they you think there's a break in the case and and then and, Dixon goes over to Mildred's house and he's like, hey, I tried. Uh, tried and I'm sorry. Uh, and probably didn't get the guy. But, yeah. You know. And she's like, um, she's like, you know what? She's like, at least for a day, I had hope. And that's more than I had had in eight months or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and then they connect mm-hmm. as human beings. Yeah. Who then go on a murder road trip together. Yeah, is the the thing that they have in common is just wanting re- to do a murder. I, yeah, they 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 want to. I think they both want to hurt bad people. That's true, and I think it's just. I guess that's the idea is that maybe it takes um, dicks in a while to decide who bad people are. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah he's screwed up about who is bad. Who is bad people? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, yeah. You know, it's funny. Because because he's because he is racist yeah. as put forward in oh, the yeah. movie. But when he uh, beats up Red in the street, uh, he says, uh, "I hate white people too." <laughs> like, and and so I guess like that checks out. Mm-hmm. Like he just he just wants to he just wants to hurt bad people. Yeah, which. I, I, but you that know seems why to I, be why some people become cops. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, but the that's yeah. You're not supposed to hurt the people. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to let law do its job. Mm-hmm. Not all order. Not all just order. <laughs> you need law too. Mm-hmm. See, it all comes back around. All comes back around. Dun dun. So, yeah. So, I guess that about wraps up the movie. Yeah. I do want to ask, because I do feel like it's important. Do you think, because, you know, they leave on this murder road trip, Mm -hmm. because they're like, well, this isn't the guy, but he did some shit. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you think that they are going to actually murder this man when they get there? No. I think you even see that, like, in the car. Like, as soon as they get going, they're like... 
this was a kind of a dumb idea. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of imagine then, as but, soon as they're going to stop for pancakes or whatever, that they're <laughs> going to talk it over and be like, yeah, maybe we should just go back to town. I agree. But I also think that if they ever see him again, they might go back and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because I agree with that. I think that they'll be like, yeah, this, this was... This was a bad choice, but then if he ever shows up in town and, you know, breaks a, a $7 snow globe or whatever again, they're going to be like, all right, this guy needs death. <laughs> like, he doesn't deserve life. So, so there's mm. that caveat on it. Yeah. But yeah, so that does wrap up this movie. There was one important, important, it's not important at all. There was one important insight that I forgot to mention, mm-hmm. which I came to me while during the scene where the police station was catching fire. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I feel like I'm watching a game of fiasco right now. <laughs> like, ev- just everybody's poor decisions were just mounting on top of each other at, like, halfway during through the movie. Yeah, exactly. that was, that was like, the turn. Yeah. Was, yeah. Yep. Yeah, this, I guess did I, I guess it did seem like a Coen Brothers movie in some ways. I think that was what made me think that actually. Yeah, was the thought about fiasco. I, I feel like they're similar, but I feel like they have uh, the Coens and McDonough have di- different senses of humor. Mm. They find different things funny. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that so makes sense. Um, Martin McDonough is still really in love with just sort of the uh, the poetics of profanity yeah which is a very 90s thing it's a super 90s it's also a very irish thing thing. yeah i think and in my experience yeah i remember seeing uh, a stand-up comedian like late one night on television who was irish talking to an american audience and doing a bit about why uh irish people curse so much and it's because it's not their language. They were for they were forced to take this <laughs> language. Uh, they were they were made like to that. speak English by the British people. So it, it just they have just these. They don't quite know how to use it. So they're just always like, ah, oh, fucking this and fucking that. And, yeah, and, yeah. He he really just does love to punctuate like every other word with fuck or shit. That's um, true. Oh, we. Uh, I'm. I'm just looking at the cast list. I was mm-hmm. looking to, you know, just to see if there was anything that needed to be said about it. Um, I. I don't understand the order that the characters are. Oh, I guess it's. Oh, they're. They must be in order of appearance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Which makes. I do sense. remember the billing order at the end of the movie was very weird. It was like okay. Francis McDormand, uh, Woody Harrelson, and then Abby Cornish, and then like. That's, uh, yeah, that the, is like weird. Zelko Ivanek, uh, yeah. who we didn't discuss at all. No, I w- that was actually what I was about to I say. I also have no but idea also, how to actually say his name. That's uh, I, I would, that's fine. I'll, I'm never going to get it. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> I was trying to remember his character's name even. And mm-hmm. according to IMDb, he doesn't have one. What? He's desk sergeant. <laughs> yep. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that is pretty funny. But now I don't feel so bad about the fact that he never came up yeah. in our discussion of, of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I always like uh, him when he pops up. I feel like 
Uh, Zelgo Ivanek pops up a lot on network television. He'll do mm-hmm. like five episodes on like Designated Survivor or something right. like that. Oh, he was in Heroes. He did uh, numerous episodes of of Heroes. Yeah, he'll just like pop up on like Bones. Yeah, right. And, exactly. Like, That's one. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was one. Yeah, I'm sure he, he was, was on like one episode of Bones. Yeah, I'm sure he was on like Madam one Secretary. Of Lost. Uh, you know, it's funny that you say that. That's his most recent credit. He's in 90 episodes. That's oh, he's apparently a regular. his real job. Okay. Yep. That's good. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. So this movie was nominated for seven Oscars. Okay. It won two of them. The won, acting ones, right? Yeah, best Frances actress. McDormand. Well, um, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, Frances McDormand won for best actress. Mm-hmm. So of course she did. Right. And Sam Rockwell won for best uh, supporting actor, but, but he, he was, was up, up against, against Woody, Woody Harrelson, Harrelson right? Yeah. I remember during the first half of the movie, I remember thinking to myself, Woody Harrelson is really good in this movie. He why is did, pretty good. Why did Sam Rockwell get the Oscar? And, and then it's, and it's then Woody the Harrelson part. shoots himself in the head. That's true. And I was like, not oh, in it okay. Uh, but I mean, Dixon is the showy part. He is, it's, yeah. It's such a showy part. Yeah. It, it, that's true. He has so much to do, and he has the redemption arc. Also, you know, I feel like... or unearned as it may be. I feel like it's a little bit... Like an Oscar for all of Sam Rockwell's uh, weird ticks that he always does in everything. I agree with that. Uh, yeah, but like and like Woody Harrelson, he doesn't have any of those like things that he always does. Right. His performances are usually very subdued and, and mellow. Yeah. Uh, but Sam Rockwell, he even gets in like a couple like oh wow like <laughs> yeah right little, like he's always like some dance and yeah. some moves yeah. Uh, I always, I often speak fondly. He's a howler. Of, He's always howling true. in like every movie. Uh, I, I speak fondly of the like five seconds in Iron Man two where he mm. shows up on the stage at the expo at the end and just does a spin <laughs> like and is just dancing. It's great. I love that. It's mm-hmm. the best part. Best part of the entire movie. I All of Iron Man two. Nothing about that movie. Yep. yep. The only other best part is when uh, Scarlett Johansson. Uh, beats up an entire hallway full of men, and John Favreau doesn't notice. I didn't notice either because I have no idea what you're talking about. There you go. Yeah. Um, this movie was also nominated for Best Original Screenplay, Martin McDonough, which I don't know what it's up against, but this seems like a very a, a movie that would have its screenplay nominated. Yeah, it's very I much. Agree it's very that. much a written movie. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, that's the thing that we were saying though. Uh, that it's a written movie more than a shot movie yeah i mean the cinematography in this movie is fine it looks very nice uh but that's kind of i feel like that's kind of all it does it kind of just shows you what's happening Mm -hmm. in like an unobtrusive way which is fine Mm -hmm. uh but there's also not much to talk about like it's it's also it's not even like it doesn't even hang back like as a style you know like there's people who would just like put the camera here and just not move it uh but no, he just like puts the camera wherever you need to to see what's going on. Uh-huh. So I think it, well, because for him, what's most important is the performance, probably. But, okay. Uh, you know. Do you think it's because he's a playwright? Yeah, I think so. I I feel like this this movie at least feels like it was made by a playwright to some degree. It doesn't feel like a play, but it feels like uh, something with a, a focus on the language and a focus on characters uh, that have sort of like full portrayals. Rather than a story per se, yeah. Okay. I mean, like, like this definitely follows like a. It, it definitely has a uh, a story, but it's kind of an unstructured story. Kind of like right. leaps from one thing yeah, to another. Yeah, things happen and then are not followed up yeah. on. Yeah. It also has a focus on like the uh, on like theme, like the meaning behind things. 
um, I, f- I feel like a lot of times in plays, you I feel like you kind of write a play to say something specifically rather than to tell this story. I do feel like that is the problem with this movie. Mm-hmm. Other than, you know, what I said, what I think might be what the movie is trying to say. I don't mm-hmm. know what this movie is trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, so there are some, like, nice shots. There's yeah, like, but just nothing spectacular. But they're, like, individual yeah. more than anything. Like yeah, I, I would say I would say there's not really like a visual style here, which is fine again. Uh, but there's, you know, it's interesting that there isn't one. I guess mm. in like this best picture nominee. Was he nominated for De- best director? I'm sorry, no. I know you. Said, okay, no, I know he, that you were reading the things, but I couldn't remember. Okay. Yeah, he was nominated for best screenplay. Okay, and like I'm, I'm sure he did, he did a good job directing the movie. He got good performances out of everybody, right. which is really yeah, yeah. Uh, what matters. Um. But yeah, this movie was also nominated for Best Original Score for Carter Burwell, who uh, does music for pretty much every Coen Brothers movie. Okay. Uh, so there's that. There you go. But I remember thinking specifically while listening to the score, the parts where I could hear it, I was like, this sounds like a, a, a score that would be nominated for Best Original <laughs> Score. It feels like what the Academy loves, just like... Uh, I don't. I wouldn't know even know how to describe it. It's just sort of. It just had this sound, like this sort of vague Americana sound to mm. it. It was like, and like of course yeah. it was doing that because you know, uh, it's the Midwest, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like the only people that know less about the Midwest than I do are uh, people from Hollywood. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. But yeah, like every, I feel like every year there's like some indie movie gets nominated for best original score, and they play you a snippet, and it sounds exactly like the music from this movie all the okay. time. Maybe it's just Carter Burwell has a style. <laughs> uh, and best achievement in film editing. I remember nothing about the editing of this movie. It was assembled in order. Uh, <laughs> yep, things occurred. <laughs> yep. In a fashion. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised, I guess, to sum up that, like, I don't have any sort of strong feelings one way or the other about the majority of this movie. I, uh, I, feel, I feel like going into it, I was worried I wouldn't like it at all. But mostly I just thought this is a solid, entertaining movie. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of agree with that, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I feel like it's, it's not one that's going to stick with me. I think that I might think of it some more, but mostly in disappointment. Yeah. Okay. Like, because there was, when we watched it, uh, I, I enjoyed it more than I expected to. Um, I thought it was a fairly entertaining crime drama. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, Crime drama comedy? Kind yeah, of. dramedy. Yeah. It's a dark um, comedy, I think. No, yeah, there are definitely yeah. parts that are funny. Yeah, this movie was, was yeah. funny. It yeah, wasn't... it was funnier than I expected, yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe it wasn't as funny as Get Out. Uh, no, which, that's, yeah. which is weird. Which yeah. is weird to say. Because mm-hmm. that one is not marketing itself as a comedy in any way. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, this I feel... I actually... No, I can't say that this was marketing itself as a comedy. But uh, that's what Martin McDonough makes. Yeah. Is crime comedies. Mm-hmm. And so it, I guess you could have expected that going in. And like, it's funny, but it's mm-hmm. not a comedy. I don't no. think this is a comedy. No. You know what this um, movie needed was uh, Little Rel Howie. <laughs> it's true. Yep. I mean, don't they all? Yeah. Honestly. Every movie going forward. Yep. Just give him a call every yeah. now and then, you know? And have, and, him, and have him tell you what you're doing wrong. Yeah. 
just take out your earphones. <laughs> just every now and then. Mm. Look around you. Yeah. Open your eyes. <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, this movie is fine, but in a different way than how like the post is fine. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. The post is fine, but yeah. like... You know, it's fine in the way that I almost forgot we had talked about it already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that one is also... That one, I also know what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we could argue whether or not it does a good job of it, but we, I know what that movie is trying to say. Yeah. I'm not sure what this movie is trying to say. Yeah. And that makes... you, As you could tell by how often I bring You're it up, it makes me so it. angry. Yeah. It makes me so angry. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Uh, all right. Wow. Well, I guess we're done talking about this movie. Well, is there anything that you want to say about the awards? We we touched on the fact that they got these awards. Yeah. I um, well, I do say well, we I, I feel keep like we watching did not the rest of the movies. Right? Yeah. Uh, we did not really. I feel like we did not give Frances McDormand her due. That's true. She's amazing. She rules this movie. Yeah. She's so good yeah. in it. And even though, like, you suspect. That Mildred might be a shitty person, mm-hmm. but you like you're just with her all the way. Yeah, <laughs> like she's so mad and she's so she's so sad and mm-hmm. and you feel for her and like you know that she might have been a shit before any of this happened. Like mm-hmm. just just based on hints of just stuff she does and things she says, but like but she's great and you love her and you want her to succeed. Yeah. Pretty much. That's the thing that we didn't mention because, like, you know, you never actually learn anything about who killed Angela. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, and it's, it's upsetting that you don't, but at the same time, that's like, you know, why would you? Yeah. You know, that's not how life works. And I think that that is, uh, both unexpected and 100% expected when it happens, when the movie ends and you don't know anything more about this Yeah, part. well, I guess I it is kind of nice that this is a movie about the events surrounding a police investigation that does not focus on the investigation part at all, which I love a good investigation. That's yeah, what I'm I know all about. You do. I just want to watch people, like, go to a library and, like, crack open a book and do some research it's like my favorite thing in a movie, but but I guess a movie like the a movie with this story would another movie like this would probably be tempted to wrap things up in some way, right? Or like at least give you a scene of you know police like knocking on some doors, interviewing somebody or something, right? Um, but it's it's resolutely not about that. It's about Mildred's experience and well and other the other people's experiences. True. Uh, but less of like so. the fallout of this case. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was one thing. As much as I complain about everything that is uh, unresolved in this movie, I'm glad that that is unresolved. Mm-hmm. So, but Frances McDormand rules and she's great. Yeah. Um, and Sam Rockwell, I'm pretty sure just got this award for being Sam Rockwell. Well, the thing about that is, it, like, he was never one of those guys like Leo who's, like, always showing up at these things and never winning the award. And he no, probably get, true. like, the sympathy award. It, it seemed like it, it was, oddly enough, the movie where Hollywood finally noticed that Sam Rockwell was a person, even though he's been there for 20 years. Oh, that's depressing. Yeah. 
I, I guess know. that's that's fine then. I mean, mm-hmm. he can have it. Yeah. I, I, he, he did a good job. He did a good job. He did a good job. Dixon didn't do a good no, job. No, he tried. He tried. He tried in the end. Mm-hmm. It took a while, but he tried. Yes. It makes me angry even just saying it. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Anyway, so that's this movie. This is Three yeah. Billboards. Um, thank you for listening. Yeah, please. Uh, I don't know if this ever makes its way onto the internet. <laughs> Remember to rate the review and subscribe. I don't know. Uh, Burn it down, burn it down With our canteens pouring gasoline Never what they're saying Why or why they say it Burning down the billboards to the ground And not a sound will touch the ears for the sides to be gained will ever last us through the years Burning down the billboards to the ground and not a sound will touch the ears For the sides to be gained will ever last us through the years